On today's episode of the Trade Busters podcast, we're going to be talking about the concepts of credit targeting and expectancy hacking. Uh, just a quick disclaimer before we start, I'm not a financial advisor. Everything in this episode is for informational purposes only and not to be construed as investment advice. Now, uh, credit targeting and expectancy hacking, these two concepts, when I finally fleshed them out and implemented them, these were instrumental in kind of taking my trading to the next level, not just in terms of PNL, but in terms of conviction and execution and being able to design you know, positive expectancy trading systems and have the conviction to follow through even when things aren't going the way that you want. So the idea here is um, if you've been hearing some of my other episodes or following my trading, uh, you know that my strategies are highly dependent on the use of a hard stop loss. And a lot of people don't like hard stops, you know, because trades get stopped out and then, you know, the trade would recover in hindsight, of course, and they're like, you know, why am I going to do a stop and take a loss when I could hold on or manage the position or, or roll it or whatever? And the idea really is um, in terms of having a consistent outcome in the long term, we want to look at the expectancy of the strategy. And this expectancy, simply put, is just the long term expectation of your trading after a large sequence of occurrences or trades. Um, and it's either you know, positive or negative. And the expectancy is a function of three things, okay? It's a function of the win rate, the average loss size, and the average win size. And the thing is, a lot of new traders, they tend to gravitate toward the win rate, okay? And for example, Tasty Trade, they talk about managing your trades at 50% profit, right? This generates more occurrences, this raises the win rate, and this actually incidentally fixes your win size uh, as well because you're taking 50% profit. So it's generally 50% or half of whatever your, your maximum potential profit is. The problem is this leaves off the, the loss size. Now, I know they get into rolling and managing and kind of making a position and turn into a winner and that can manage down the average loss. But it's honestly very difficult um, to do. And maybe I'll do another episode about that as well. But the idea is that, you know, for these three variables, the win rate, the loss size, and the win size, there's no way to control all three of them, okay? You can control one or two, and then the third one is gonna be the variable. So for me, when I say expectancy hacking, what I mean is I prefer to uh, fix the two variables of win size and loss size, and then the win rate, whatever that ends up being, is going to determine your expectancy, either positive or not, okay? And then there's different things we can do to adjust to try to help and boost the win rate and thereby boost your expectancy into the positive region. And this is what I call expectancy hacking. So if we take uh, my seven DTE strategy, for example, and you can go to my trading pages or listen to the episode on that. This idea is to have a two to one uh, risk reward ratio, right? You're risking two to make one. So if I collect a dollar on a trade, my maximum profit is $1, $100, and I'm capping the loss at 2x, net loss of 2x. So my I have a stop set at $3. So if I collected one and I paid three, my net loss is $2. Risk two to make one. So with the risk two to make one risk reward profile, and I'm not accounting for fees or slippage, just for simplicity. Um, after fees and slippage, your risk reward ratio looks more like 2.2 to about 0.98, 0.97, depending on fees. So let's just stick with two to one. So with the risk two to make one, 
you have a 66.66% break-even win rate, right? Basically, if you, as long as you win two out of three trades, you're going to scratch, right? Because you lose, you know, you make $1 twice and you lose $1, or you lose $2 once, right? So that's net zero. So as long as you have a win rate above 66.66%, you're going to be positive. And in fact, if you have about a 75% win rate, you're going to have what I call a 25% um, premium capture rate. I'm going to do another episode on premium capture. Um, but another way to look at it is if I sell a dollar premium for each trade and I have a 25% premium capture rate, I expect to net or bank 25 cents on the dollar in the long term. That's for every single trade, right? Because that's factoring the losses. So... Uh, and I'll give you kind of a, an idea of where the so-called so hacking aspect comes in. So when I did the 7DT strategy, when I first started, I, I did it at 30 delta. And I did it at, um, so 30 delta, and after uh, uh, about nine months of trading, because we did some back testing and it was positive over all the years, you know, some years better, some years worse, but it was generally positive. So I did it one year for nine months. And at the end of the nine months, I, I stopped and my PL because I had hit a string of losers and it hit zero, right? Net loss of zero. Even though at a 70% win rate, uh, my calculations told me I should have about a 10% premium capture or 10% expectancy on premium sold. So I went back in and I looked at it. I was like, oh, you know what? Because I hadn't paid attention to the slippage. And this is why I pay so much attention and I track my losses and wins as a proportion of my credit multiple now, not just in raw dollar amounts. And I've realized that I was essentially giving up about 10% profit in slippage. So that's why the net expectancy ended up being zero. So I was like, aha, so even though the theoretical win rate is high enough, it wasn't producing a positive expectancy in reality. So I went back and kind of retooled my strategy and I went down to 20 delta. And now my strategy is 10 to 20 delta in that range, but no more than 20. And after that, the win rate started becoming you know, 75% plus, which yielded um, my kind of target uh, gold standard premium capture of the, the 25%, sometimes even higher this year, even honestly, right now it's even lower. Like I, like I said before, things go in and out of favor. So um, this year right now is a little bit worse, but last year was very good. And the idea is that because I had lowered the delta of the strategy, um, you would expect that the win rate would go up, right? Because you're taking a little bit less risk. Um, and so that basically played out. So I was able to kind of push the expectancy into the positive region. Now, again, you're never going to know exactly what the win rate is going to be. Again, because you are fixing two of the variables, but you can't, you know, calculate all three, right? The cards are going to fall where they will. You're going to take what the market gives you. But the idea is that if you have a, a fairly high confidence that you're going to have, and you got to backtest this and maybe do live trading as well, but if you have a fair fairly confident your win rate is going to fall above that break even, then at least you shouldn't lose money in the long term. Now, there's one other aspect that's very important. This is where the credit targeting comes in because, yes, we want to fix the win-loss ratio and then the win rate is going to fall where it falls. But you need to size trades consistently. And this isn't just about fixed delta because, right, if you go to like a backtesting software like eDelta Pro, they're going to do, if you do a delta test, it's going to be a fixed delta, 5 delta, 10 delta, whatever it is. But as you guys know, the premium received at the same delta is actually going to change depending on volatility, right? If, if VIX is at 50, you're going to get a, a ton of premium at the 5 delta. 
and when VIX is 14, you're gonna get not so much. So the problem is, you know, generally speaking, the delta is a very good proxy for the probabilities. You know, at 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 expiration, the delta is almost a perfect proxy for the probability of success or the percent in the money. Once you apply a stop loss, it's the actual realized win rate is path dependent. It's going to depend on what the market does exactly, how fast it moves. So again, it's unpredictable, but it, it's close, right? Generally speaking, a lower delta is going to have a higher win rate. That, that's generally going to be true. But the problem is, if you collect different amounts of credit, you know, $1 here, $5 here, 50 cents here, you know, again, for the same delta, you're going to run into what's called sequence of return risk. And if just by pure chance, you lose the bigger trades and win the smaller trades, you're going to have lower or even negative expectancy at, even if the win rate is what's theoretically going to be positive. Now, of course, this could work in your favor, right? You could win the bigger trades and lose the smaller trades, but we don't want to rely on that, right? We always want to kind of look at the worst case scenario and take the con conservative approach. So for me, what I do instead is I do what's called credit targeting. I, I fix the amount of credit that I'm targeting, how much it's going to be depending on the amount of return you want to make, and we'll get to that in a second. But you know, if I want to collect the dollar, I'm going to do everything I can to collect $1. Okay, so if in low, in low IV or medium IV, I'm collecting $1 for, let's call it the 15 delta. As IV goes up, I can probably scale down the delta and still collect the dollar. Conversely, as IV goes down, I have to go up in delta to collect the same $1. So the idea here is because we're defining our stop amount, it's the mechanics that define your risk. Okay, so the credit, you know, if we pull that back one more step, the credit you collect is basically a proxy for your risk. Now, I'm not accounting for gaps, or gaps is a separate issue, and they happen, and they're going to lower the realized expectancy. But I'm talking about just kind of like a perfect world scenario, and just generally speaking. So the credit collected is a proxy for risk. So by fixing the credit, you're going to fix the win amount and the loss amount, and therefore being be able to achieve this expected expectancy hacking kind of idea. And kind of the cool thing is this gives you a consistent flow of premium and thereby hopefully giving a consistent flow of profits. And another neat thing is, you know, whereas some people take high IV as a opportunity to make more money with the same, right? Because you get more credit for the same amount of contracts or whatever. I go the other way. I look at high IV as a opportunity to make the same amount of money, but at lower risk, lower contracts, lower, you know, higher probability. Because like I said, in high IV, I can go down in Delta for um, the same amount of premium. Now, if you have a smaller account and a lot, a lot of capital, and you're limited to one lots, you're only going to have one degree of freedom to adjust, which is the Delta. But as your capital gets larger, and you're trading multiple contracts, and you guys can see this in my trade logs, you get a second degree of freedom. You get to adjust the contract size. So for example, you know, if I'm trying to collect a dollar, I can do one contract at a dollar or two contracts at 50 cents. Now, there is some sort of sanity checks, right? You don't want to go crazy and do 10 contracts at 10 cents because uh, for one, 10 cents is really low. The commission is going to 
you know, eat away at the profits and you're just doing way too much leverage, right? The, the capital efficiency, you start losing on that. So there's some, there's some dynamism, there's some trade-off and that's where there's some of the finesse. So, you know, sometimes, you know, saying in the 10 to 20 Delta range, for example, if I'm looking at, you know, five contracts at a dollar at 15 Delta for $5 total, Instead of the five contracts, I may opt for, um, let's, let me do the math real quick. So five divided by six, no, I could do six contracts at 83 cents and slide down the Delta a little bit. Which one is correct? Hard to say, because at the end of the day, you know, again, there's that trade-off in capital efficiency because you're doing more contracts, but that's why I have sort of a loose rule within the 10 to 20 Delta range. And this is specifically for my 70 D strategy. I give myself a little bit of wiggle room. That that's the extent of discretion in my strategy. Most of it very is very consistent because I can I fix the credit, okay? But now, in the grand scheme of things, here is kind of the the final result that for me is so cool. Um, if you want to, you know, this allows you to actually project and target a certain return. Via via uh, either it's a percent on your account or a certain dollar amount. Uh, just give a high level example, okay? Let's say I wanted to make, I don't know, ten thousand dollars, okay? And that's my net profit I want to make, and I know that I'm expected to capture about twenty five percent of all the premiums sold. So if I'm capturing twenty five percent, and again I'll do another episode about the nuances of premium capture, but I need to sell four times that amount of premium, right? So I need to sell basically. $40,000 worth of premium in a year to capture 25% or yield the $10,000. So I take the $40,000 and I divide it by 52. Basically, I need to sell $769 worth of premium per week. And again, I'm referencing, and this specific example is for my 7DT strategy. You can apply this to any strategy, right? That's the beauty of it. My 7DT strategy has three trades a week. So I further divide it by three and you get 256. So I need to sell $256 of premium per entry and I should generate about $10,000 of profit in a given year, right? And so that, for me, that's really powerful. And again, this is not a guarantee, obviously, right? The, you know, the market's going to do what's going to do. Uh, you're going to get what the market gives you. But long term, if the math holds up, that is the expected profits. So within the 256 I could do four contracts at $0.64 cents a piece or $64, or I could do three contracts at $0.85, cents, $85 a piece. And again, that's going to depend on the volatility level. So all you're going to do is once you have a goal, right, you work backwards, figure out the number of trades that's going to be in a given year. And based on that, you get a so-called credit target. And then from that point forth, Every single time you enter, you're going to do your best to get that exact amount of credit. Now, this is for a fixed dollar amount. If you're trying to target a certain percentage on the account, you can do the same thing. Um, basically, you have to adjust the size of the trades. And I, I'll do a really rough calculation here that this may be incorrect. But for example, if I have a million dollar account and I want to make, I don't know, 15% a year. So that means I need to generate $150,000 of profit, right? So therein you have your end goal, the 150,000. We can do the same exercise 
times it by four divided by number of occurrences to get your credit target. But your account balance is obviously increasing, right? So as your account increases, that 15% goal goes higher and higher or lower if the account is going low. So you're going to scale the credit target. Um, now, I don't want you to do the math in your head every time. I basically have what I call macros built into my spreadsheet. So I have my account balance. Then I do the math at the, the times, you know, whatever percent. Uh, divide by the number of currencies that get my credit target. So as my account grows in the spreadsheet, it automatically adjusts my credit target. So I'm, uh, and for me, you, know, you, you don't have to go crazy. You can adjust once a month, once a quarter, whatever it is. You can adjust every single trade if you want. Um, but essentially, every time I adjust the reference account balance, it's going to change all the numbers and it's going to spit out a new credit target. And from there on, so it's very mechanical. When I put on my trade, I just go to my sheet. I go, okay, I need to collect this much credit. And I even have a macro on my sheet that says, if I want to collect this much credit, then the credit per contract is X for two contracts, for three contracts, for four contracts. And I just go down and I just figure out based on my heuristics where to enter. So, so uh, again, so this is the idea of credit targeting and using that to hack your expectancy to generate an expectancy or um, kind of projected result that hopefully is consistent and gives you something to ground your um, execution and give you something to work backwards off of from your end goal. So this is kind of interesting, right? We're taking our end goal and working all the way back to what we have to do at entry to meet that goal. And I, and I think that that kind of relationship and the way you can connect all that is really powerful. And again, this is one of the fundamental aspects behind how I do my strategies and why my income strategies work the way they work. So um, hopefully you found that useful. Uh, you can look at the mechanics, my strategies, view the trade logs and kind of verify everything for yourself. Um, you can go to www.thetradebusters.com. That's my trading page. There's links to all my various strategies. Um, you can, again, click on the each individual link. You go to the various strategy pages with the mechanics. You can see my open positions. You can see the trade logs. And, and all of that is there, you know, available anytime. And also, if you want to um, stay tuned for updates for when I have new episodes or other content, you can also follow me on Twitter, at The Trade Buster. And again, hopefully you guys found that useful. That's all I got for today. And I'll see you guys next time.